Do you have a backlog of customer interviews that you'd like to turn into case studies? Digital Sunshine Solutions can help. Give us your interview recording, customer information, and your messaging, and we'll create the narrative for your case study. For an extra charge, we can format the case study for you or even do the interview. Visit digitalsunshinesolutions.com for all the info. Welcome to the Tech Aunties Podcast, where we're bringing you industry context and vision from myself, Angelia McFarland, and Gina Rosenthal. On each podcast, we will share our marketing and technology industry experiences along with the tea. Listen to us as we explain the past so you can have context to understand and create your own version of the future. So let's get into it. Hey, Angelia. How are you doing? Gina, doing great. Looking forward to today. You ready to talk tech and edge and the good stuff? Yes. Okay, good. Well, we have a guest with us today from Pensacola, Florida, which I love. She is a federal systems engineer at Cisco. After obtaining her bachelor's degree in business, information systems, and cybersecurity, Corey began work at a fast-paced industrial automation startup supporting the aerospace and defense industry. Here, her passion for industrial control systems was born. Corey now works at Cisco as a systems engineer. Through her time at Cisco, she has completed the CSAT program, served as an IoT specialist supporting federal customers on industrial networking, security, and wireless technologies. Who has a lot? And now serves a defense industrial base as a systems engineer. Corey has a passion for her work supporting critical infrastructure and the growing Internet of Things. She enjoys educating others on the importance of security beyond compliance and the consequences of security incidents in the industrial environments. Corey's purpose is to help others find their passions in technology, helping ensure STEM is a place where everyone has a voice. When not at work, Corey can be found strolling the local farmers' markets, rollerblading, sailing, or scuba diving. Ah, welcome, Corey. Thank you. Thank you, Gina. Did I get everything? I think you got it all. Got it all. Well, are you going to be able to tell us anything? This seems like a lot of top secret stuff that you work on. Oh, yeah. Are we going to be able to talk at all? We we can talk. We can talk for sure. We can find it. We can find it. Okay. Well, this season on Tech Aunties, um, we have been talking to everybody about from the technical side about edge computing. So before we even get started, I'm going to give you the hardest question I'm going to ask you all day. Um, Edge means something different to everyone. So how do you define the edge? Yeah, well, I brought, um, for those who can see video, I brought some visual aids (laughs) to define the edge. So the edge to me is where they're traditionally unconnected becomes connected. So our traditional IoT devices and at the edge used to look like this, Um, you know, a human machine interface um, connected to a PLC, a programmable logic controller, which is our compute power at the edge that powers our industrial machines. Um, And now as these things come onto the network, they're starting to look like this, which is... This is just a switch. It just looks fancy. 
Um, but it's a DIN rail mounted, DIN rail mounted switch um, built for harsh environments. Also has a container in it. Um, so I think we talk a lot about edge computing, um, being able to drive analytics and do um, uh, perform security operations at, at the edge where um, that OT network meets the IT network. And since the OT network was never, you know, used to not be online, not connected to our IT networks, just look at what's new and then you'll find the edge. <laughs> so like can you that. define OT for the for the folks out there who don't know what that means? Yeah, so we have I'll define OT IT um well I don't need to define IT for this audience but OT IoT and IIoT. So OT operational oh. technology things like forklifts, um ship lifts, CNC machines, um IoT Smart toasters, Alexas. It's funny at, at Cisco, we do call our IIoT or OT portfolio IoT, um, but we're not selling any smart toasters. Um, we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're selling solutions to support those OT and IIoT devices. And then IIoT, industrial IoT, um, just kind of broadens that spectrum of OT out a little bit more um, to encompass encompass things like smart buildings, um, you know, those those Nest thermostats, those smart building management systems. That's a lot of acronyms, even for me. That is, but but that's the first time I heard IIoT. Yeah. I had never heard IIoT before. So that's, thank you for that. Yeah. So is is your definition the Cisco definition as well then? Um I I I think that Cisco names IoT, names things IoT, um but really it encompasses that broader range of IIoT. Okay. And is that what is that what um edge devices your customers are using? The people that you're supporting? Yeah, so in the federal government, I support a lot of shipyards, naval air stations, um, manufacturing facilities, um, military bases, ammo depots, um, high voltage electric situations, wastewater treatment, um, the whole gamut. And we have these in federal and then we have them in the commercial space as well. Um, think about hospitals or the electric grid that your your city runs on or your wastewater treatment um, plant that you're relying on every day. Um, so so my, my that's have a plethora of, of IIoT devices and I think a lot of ours too. Right. So that's how you got to Pensacola then? No. So I... Oh, how did you get to Pensacola? <laughs> Oh, the craziest thing I've ever done in my life. The scene was March of 2020. Um, <laughs> oh, my. This sounds interesting. We all know where we were. The, the early 2020s. And we're both sipping our tea. You'll see. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had just graduated college. I was working for a startup out of my parents' house. Uh, quite frankly, not making a lot of money. I did not think I would be able to move. But... I had been down to Pensacola for vacation, and um, while I was here, I found a $600 month-to-month -month rental at the top of Palafox, <laughs> um, at the top of Palafox, which is the main drag downtown. I was like, man, this town is like college 2.0, but everyone's a lot more responsible, and 
can pay for their own drinks at bars. This would be a great place to live. I'm and, laughing. I'm dying inside about that. You call in that Pensacola that, but go ahead. Yeah. So um, March, I, you know, kind of had it as a pipe dream. And then March of 2020 rolls around. All of a sudden, it doesn't matter where I'm working. And so I I, I called up this, um, this rental listing. It was still available and it was month to month. So I thought, well, I'll go down there for three months or so until this COVID stuff blows over and Oh, wow. It didn't blow over and I'm still here. (laughs) Please tell me you're not, are you still in the month to month apartment? No. Okay. On Palafox. (laughs) I am still on Palafox. I'm a big girl. (laughs) Yay, big girl. He's very proud of you. Good to go. All right. So getting back to your customers, um, we talked a lot about the devices and I kind of know, I kind of have a feeling, I I think I know where you're going to go with this, but um, so IOT devices, are they, how does that relate to the edge? Yeah. Tell it to what's that relationship look like? Yeah. So they're downstream of the edge. So in my little setup here, I would have my, my edge switch connected to a PLC connected to in this case, um, the specific PLC typically controls CNC machines um, or manufacturing machines. So it would then be connected to a manufacturing machine and engineering workstation would also be connected through this switch. So they're just, the IoT devices are downstream of the edge. All right. And so when you work with customers or your clients, I guess you could say, because how do you call the Navy a customer? <laughs> your clients, what are you looking to do for them? Are they looking like what in the big picture are they looking to do? So these are down at the bare level. This is now we know the acronyms for the of things, things, right? And we know that the edge is just connecting them all together. But in the big picture, what are they looking to do? What are they looking to accomplish? So nobody wakes up one day and says, I want to connect all of these unpatched, antiquated machines machines that have never been connected before. Nobody wakes up with that as the goal. Um, But the goal is, and it's commonly referred to as industry 4.0 or industrial automation, which is actually where I started my career, helping write programs that enabled industrial automation. So the goal is to be able to manufacture faster, have more efficient processes, um, reduce scrap, by enabling feedback loops, automated feedback loops through the manufacturing line. Um, and for my customers, Ooh. that that looks like being mission ready, um, you know, being able to get aircraft off the flight line faster, being able to um, to manufacture ships or, or airplanes um, at the demand of the end customer, which, which would be our defense industry. Um, so say more about the scraps thing. That's pretty cool. What is, say more, because I had not heard about that feedback back loop for scraps. So what does that actually do? Can you give us an example? Yeah. So in my past cool. life, the startup, we um, wrote, wrote software that sat between the engineering workstation. So um, a lot of these parts, they start as a big hunk of metal and then they mill them down. They do subtractive manufacturing and all of that milling is started at, at an engineering workstation at a PC. Um, and they program the part. That part then is translated into something we call G-code that goes to the PLC, which then goes and tells the machine how to cut the part. 
problem is mm-hmm. as these bits wear down, um, the, the part will fall out of tolerances. It will, you know, the part will warp a little bit. Um, and you have to be in certain tolerances and especially tight tolerances when you're building something that people's lives are dependent on. Yeah. And old manufacturing practices, um, these parts would be inspected at the end of the line. Well, if they're inspected at the end of the line and you have to scrap a titanium part, that's very expensive. Um, And it also is very costly or costly in terms of time. Yeah. So so we have, yeah. Yeah. So by connecting these machines, you can enable, enable a feedback loop between the engineering workstation and the PLC. So you can measure that part while it's on the machine or closer in the line. um, And you don't have to physically remove it to go do the QA testing. You can do it all while it's still on the machine and then adjust that part as it's being manufactured to keep it inside of tolerances. So you're never scrapping that part in the first place. That's pretty crazy. We never talk about that kind of stuff. Some of the real world stuff we talk about is pretty esoteric, but that when you think about an airplane oh, yeah. is a big deal, right? A fighter jet, no less, right? That's a really big deal. That's pretty And being able to, as you were talking, I was thinking that um, if you're not finding it until the end of the line, it's usually more than one part, right? It's multiple yeah. parts that end up being out of tolerance. And so if you can find it when it happens, and even if it's a little late, it's just that one part that you have to go go back and do whatever you have to do to make sure the next part. Yeah. That is a really cool uh, example of, of edge computing. Yeah. This is kind of like blowing blow my mind and blow it at my next question. But yeah, so, so, um, well, let's talk about security because you talk about that a lot in your bio. Because, and and you talked about just a few minutes ago, industrial 4.0 is what you said, right? Industry 4.0, yeah. Industry. So, what is industry 4.0? Let's go there first. Yeah, it's just the the digital revolution connecting the things that are traditionally unconnected with the aim of more efficient processes. Um, And also security is looped into that. So I give a lot of manufacturing use cases because that's where I came from prior to joining Cisco. Um, But you think about say wastewater treatment plants or, um, or energy facilities, being able to monitor those facilities and shut them down in, in the event of, of a disaster is critical, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and if you can do that without having to have people on site, that's even better. Yeah, you might not have been through a hurricane yet, but definitely it becomes a very critical issue. And here we've had so many, so many winter storms and, and stuff that we've seen a lot of things have to be shut down because it, it's it's very important not to drink tainted water. Yeah, we've we've had plants in, in, in this area closed down s- several times in the last year. Yeah, because of flooding. And now, of course, we don't have any water. So yeah. kind of now we have the opposite problem. <laughs> anyway, but hurricanes for sure do that. And I know there's protocols to to shut down or monitor the treatment plants. So is is that is that modernized with Industry 4.0? And, and also, what was 3.0, 2.0, 1.0 as far as industry goes? Do you know? Those were before my time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't actually know if 
the term was coined before Industry 4.0. Uh, maybe some homework for me. But yeah, Industry 4.0 is just to drive the industrial sector um, towards more modern and digital practices in the, fa- in the, in the vein of efficiency and security. I think it has something to do. I'm, I'm Googling as we speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has something to do with, it started with, um, oh, what is industry 4.0? Let's see. Let me see. So then. Now you gave all the right things. I wonder if it has something to do with the industrial revolution was the first one. And then I don't know what the other two would have been. <laughs> and now we're at 4.0, but I don't know. Automation was probably one of them. Yeah, maybe so, because they've done the automation. And now this is this is like a step up to the automation, right? Oh, yeah, yeah I think you probably are right. That's probably right. All right, let me go back and find. I've lost everything. I've lost my notes, Corey. Uh-oh. This oh. happens often when you become an auntie, Corey. <laughs> I am actually about to become an auntie. Oh, my oh. goodness. Congratulations. When is that going to oh. happen? Yeah, I actually right after we we wrap up recording, I'm heading off to a bakery to pick up cupcakes to find out um, if I will have a niece or a nephew. What? So you're having the reveal party with cupcakes? Yeah, well, we're we're all in different locations, uh, all in different states. So um, my brother and his wife had cupcakes made in each city. And everybody's oh, how smart. Yeah, the cupcakes on the Oh, side. that now that is cool. That's very nice. That's an edge solution. <laughs> and so, are you guys going to all get on Zoom and eat the cupcakes together, or we may all get on FedEx? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. You're so right. I have really lost this for real, and I can't find it. Oh my goodness. Uh oh. It's okay. It's fine. So, so, well, okay. So why don't you explain while I'm trying to find my notes again? Can, can you, do you explain some more about um, where security does play? Like what is some of the, like, I know you can't tell us what the federal government, what, what the military does, but like, what are some of the coolest security applications? I guess you've seen that include, you know, they're sitting on top of the automation and the IOT and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. So as, as I said earlier, and we, discussed, you know, why are, why are our customers doing this? Nobody says, I, I want to, you know, connect the, these antiquated solutions that are hard to patch. And that is the reality mm-hmm. of manufacturing machines um, and really and any machines for critical infrastructure because of the uptime demand, it's hard to take these machines down and patch them. They could also be in remote locations that are hard to get to physically. Um Without connectivity, there's no remoting in to to patch a device. So right. what what comes with that? All of a sudden, you bring all these machines online. Um, they're chock full of vulnerabilities because m- many of them have not been patched. Um, we also have the challenge of our traditional security tools oftentimes don't understand these, mach- these machines. So this PLC um, uses a protocol code called Profinet which is a Siemens proprietary protocol. We also have things like BACnet, Modbus, um, and a whole host of other, other protocols that are not understood by our traditional, um, traditional IT security tools. So the challenge that brings is if you 
if you bring these devices onto the network with no regard for what they are and how they communicate, then you're kind of just turning a blind eye to the traffic that's then passing through your network. So <laughs> I, I sometimes I put my tin hat on a little bit and I just remember I need to reel it back and, and not scare people so much. <laughs> no, I don't. I think you should scare people that much because what you're saying is completely true. Yeah. Be scared. Well, yeah. So, so what we can do at the edge and obviously the company I work for has solutions that do this. There are also other companies that have solutions that do this, but what we can do at the edge is we can actually put the security application at the edge. And it's a specific security application that understands the way that these devices speak and will decrypt um, we'll decrypt and do deep packet inspection on those security protocols. So you can see, say somebody turns off a, a PLC, runs a stop command. Our traditional tools would not see that happening, but the tools that are specific for OT security do. And then they can alert you, hey, someone's messing around in here and they shouldn't be. Or maybe, yeah. um, maybe say it's a centrifuge that exceeds its rate limit. We all uh, know about Stuxnet. Um, they clearly did not have any monitoring tools because if they did, <laughs> they would be able to see when that command was sent through to the PLC and you could either just alert on it or you could integrate your traditional IT security tools and segment, you know, take action on that alert. Mm. Say, all right, well, we're going to, we're going to move that to a different VLAN. We're going to quarantine that device whenever we see certain things happening, um, Depending on your environment, you may or may not want to do that because of the dependencies, but that's, you know, a business decision at the end of the day. Um, but the importance is just being able to understand what those devices are doing yeah. and monitor and take action should you choose to. And our traditional security tools can't do that. So what's the oldest device you've seen in operation that somebody's tried to bring online into, into one of these edge networks? Hmm. Or that you've heard about? Or can you tell us? Uh, <laughs> I let's see. It was actually before my time at Cisco. I'll talk about something before my time at Cisco, and I I don't believe this is the oldest that's out there. It is just the oldest I've seen. But it was, um, I believe, the machine was put into production in 1968. Oh wow! Wow, that's fifty something years old. But yeah. a 1968 machine doesn't have. The does it have the sensors and all the things that you would need for the PLC to even deliver information, or is that something it was retrofitted to have those things? That is a good question. I don't know what their process was for retrofitting it, um, but it was being controlled by a PLC, just the same normal manufacturing process. Engineer logs in to say Siemens NX of CAD CAM software, you know, designs the part. Sends it off to the PLC machine, cuts the mm. cuts them cuts the part. Um, but these machines, sense. I mean, they are they're Lamborghinis. They're seven hundred thousand <laughs> million dollars. Like you're gonna get your life out of those machines. Yeah, that's that's true too. That's a good point. So yeah. they're just they're yeah they're something new happens. You hire an engineer to do it, and they're making other things. It's not like they're not able to make parts to machines, you know. And I would say those types of machines probably had robotics and sensors before, way before 
anything else did. Yeah, I think you're probably right. But if it's but think about this. Oh, go ahead. Corey's going to say something. What are oh, you going to say? I, I actually I um, uh, have a family member who had an old CNC machine, a completely manual manual milling machine and he connected it and brought it online and has filled it full of automation and you know robotic um mm. hydraulics and everything to automate it so it he he macgyvered it but okay <laughs> he did it on his own so i'm sure there's lots of companies that are doing it band-aids toothpicks and chewing gum yeah but that's pretty interesting because you think about something that was built in 68 that means you know if if well, if it was just a tooling machine, but like if it had been connected to anything, it was going to be a mainframe because nothing else had been invented. Like as far as a yeah, data back machine, in 68, right? That's true. But then you also think about, you know, how much those machines cost and what they were made from. It's kind of like getting an old Ford that doesn't have all the computer parts in it. But the guys that restore those, they figure out how to make the machines and how to do it and how to make the different all parts. Solid. Those, yeah. those old machines are solid. You don't get that again. craftsmanship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It'd be pretty cool to bring those online. I think that's neat. Very neat. So let's get one more work question out of you while we have you here. Um, What is the most interesting IoT use case you've seen? Yeah. So lots of interesting IoT use cases. Um, One of my favorite parts of the Cisco IoT portfolio is actually not too far related to anything we've talked about so far today. Um, you know, we talked about the, the the switching and the security, but we didn't talk about the wireless. And I think IoT, industrial wireless, is one of the coolest things. Um, so something I've gotten uh, pretty intimate with lately is LoRaWAN, which is a long-range... Um, low sub gigahertz ism band wireless and typically these devices um, operate about 15 to 20 miles the longest use case is actually 500 miles uh, direct line of sight to a weather balloon and these are small sensors Um, there's a variety of different use cases but basically they send you know a very small bit of information but they can send information on gps location temperature, humidity, um, if something's been picked up, shaken. Um, And so if I think about critical environments where we may not want um, debris or we may not want tools left around, I think that is a really cool use case for LoRaWAN. Um, You know, my fiance is a pilot and something they have to do, they have to sweep the flight line for... Uh um, they have to sweep the flight line for any tools or debris. And if, if if any of those tools aren't found, they have to stop their operations. So that's something that I find very, very interesting with LoRaWAN is that you could attach these devices, say, to a tool and then um, track them so yeah. that way you don't stop operations. So from a LoRaWAN perspective, is that the type of solution that could be used in something like a one of the the uh, a hurricane uh, flight where, cause you talked about temperature and humidity. And so a lot of times those planes are, they're flying through the eye of a storm. Is that the type of solution that could be theoretically used in that instance where it's sending information back real time as the plane is, is, is going through 
the storm. That's what they do. They drop weather balloons out of the plane. Yeah, I think technically you could. I haven't seen it used in that use case, but I mean, it is collecting, you know, it can collect temperature, humidity and location data. Um, I mean, yeah, it could. I, I, I will give you a, a real quick other use case for okay. LoRaWAN. So like I mentioned, I moved to Pensacola during the pandemic and something we saw in mass was vaccines. And so you could use LoRaWAN, say in in shipping and in, in route to track the, the conditions of those vaccines to make sure that okay. they are arriving where they should be arriving, they're staying on track and that they're staying within their temperature regulations. Um, so- and so it would transmit the entire trip, right? So like if these vaccines are on a ship, it's constantly mm-hmm. transmitting, okay, the temperature is, is where it's supposed to be. Oh, they haven't been jostled or, oh, they have been jostled. They need to be checked. That's the type of information that it would transmit and you'd be able to check it for every five minutes or two minutes or whatever during the trip. Yeah, and- at every interval, so long as it's um, connected, being able to connect to a LoRaWAN gateway. Um, but many of the devices will also store um, store that data on board until it does connect to a gateway to offload. So, yeah, it's really good for supply chain tracking. Um, also, yeah, use cases for tracking critical uh, items in critical environments. That's pretty cool. You could probably also be make that as a backup to a manifest for blockchain if they're using that for supply check too, right? For, for supply chain tracking, you could have, here's the evidence is whatever Laura Wang connect, yeah. collected, which would be cool. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and let's let's have some tea time. We've both got tea today, so we can do this. Yes. The it's, aunties are having their tea it's now. It's tea time, Corey. And you're in the middle of it, so you know how this goes. I have a cookie. Yes. <laughs> Typical. <laughs> Typical. Co- Coca-Cola is a type of tea. That's, that's right. That's right. So we bring the tea time. We bring the tea to every episode. And so we're trying to bring some new insight or controversy into the conversation. We've already had a little bit of that today, so that's good. But I, I kind of I put a silly one in here, so that's because I couldn't think of anything. But I do want to talk about um, you are a young woman in tech, and it's very obvious that you're very technical. You know what you're talking about. You're working for pro- Fortune 100, maybe Fortune 500 at least, um, infrastructure company as a as in a sales area, which. Um, has to be hard. So do you need any auntie advice while you're here? What are some from <laughs> while we've got you here? Um, do you need any auntie advice or encouragement to keep going? Because you look like you've got your, got your little game going strong. It's pretty good. So what kind of support do you need, Miss Corey? Um, what support do I need? So I will say I am the only female systems engineer on my team. Um, I do. I love my team dearly. My, my leadership is amazing. My team members are amazing, but what's your advice for when you're on a team that doesn't look like you, you know, I show up in my hot pink trousers and my sparkly nails and nobody's really dressing like me at work. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love that you're doing that though. I I do too. Be you. So that's, that would probably be number one is don't give up you to try to fit in. Because you're you and what's bringing 
you, what brings the, the, the value to your customers and this, what's going to sustain you through your career is that charisma spark, spark that you have. And you don't have the baggage like I have. I'm not going to say you have baggage, but as you get older, you start carrying more things and you have to, you have to start figuring out what you're going to drop. You're at this place in your career. You ain't got no baggage. So don't create it by stifling your own personal self. Doesn't mean be a, you know, you, you, you know how to keep it in control and keep it in, in the system. You know how to do that. But once you start have, it, you know, life will start going and you'll have to start, um, you'll have to start holding back in some places for life. But as long as you can forever, if you can be you, that's the key to it. Be authentically you. What would you say? No, I would I'm I would just add. I wouldn't change anything that that Gina said. I I think that sometimes being you um make it hard because there're going to be people around you who have perceptions on what things are supposed to look like. Uh and I would say strengthen your library of responses and and to when someone has something to say, oh, oh, those nails are really cute for a shipyard, you know, and and have and begin to. And sometimes you may have to think about it. Like, I wouldn't respond right away if you're like if you like immediately get angry, like, how dare he talk about my nails? I would just hold on to it for a minute. And maybe at the end, after you finish the sales call or whatever, say, hey, these sparkly nails just got us X million dollars worth of revenue. So maybe you should try. Like, you know, I I think be don't just be yourself, but be bold in being yourself, not in the sense of trying to make anyone else feel bad, but make sure they know that you know that you're being yourself and that who you are is is awesome. Yeah. Um, because when you first when you first came on, like because I, I this is my first time meeting you. So I knew you were young because I, I, you're gorgeous, by the way. So I saw your face and I'm like, oh, she's young. And and Gina says you're SE. And you said, oh, I graduated from college and you gave the year. But when you speak, it's your right. knowledge of what you're doing is on point, is on point. Mm-hmm. So don't let anybody make you feel that you don't belong in any of the spaces that you're moving in because you've got it. And just remember that thing about carrying this baggage, right? Because the people that say stuff to you, they're carrying some baggage that they don't even want to carry. And that's where those comments come from. And if you can give them a little grace, because bless their hearts, they need it, right? But that's what it's about. That's Southern coming out, bless their hearts. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I will say, I feel, like, I feel like my aunties and, and I refer to as the women in tech before me as, as my tech goddesses. Um, I feel like, <laughs> okay, they, like it. they paved the way for technical women. Um, and now we need to ensure that women are are welcome as their authentic selves and showing up. Yes. So I think being bold is important. I remember one of my first one of my first work trips. um I went, went to a customer, obviously in in the federal space and I always have my nails done. Um, I don't right now, but I usually have my nails done and I had flowers embedded into my nails, dried flowers embedded into my nails and monarch butterflies. 
And I had planned to paint over them the night before because they weren't the most professional nails. And I was meeting with the CTO and I just, I ran out of time and I forgot to do it. And I was so nervous and I walked into that meeting. And let me tell you, that 50 year old man did not give a boot about my nails. He did not look (laughs) at my nails. He didn't care. And we had an amazing meeting and none of that mattered. You know, so how silly of be worrying about my fingernail polish <laughs> instead of the meeting that was coming before us. So, um, I mean, just, I think we think about these things a lot internally and externally, sometimes they're not noticed. And, you know, we, well, I think we give, we, we give off. off those. I think these tech goddesses, I like tech goddesses. Maybe I we should too. change it to tech goddesses <laughs> instead of tech aunties. But um, I think these, these women who have gone before you, I think we push that out to you because that was our experience. And and I just want to say that I love, I am inspired by the things that you all do. That's right. Um, it is inspiring to me that you, you know, you go forward and you do these things. And it, it helps me. Like, because I, you know, I'm normally the, you know, if if I see you go out somewhere with these gorgeous nails that I'm just, as you were talking about them, I was like, oh, I should go tell my nail tech to do that. Um, And, and it makes me want to do it because I'm like, oh, Corey did it. And I wish I had as much courage and as much um, uh, authenticity. Yeah. Right. Drop the baggage, man. Yeah. To be like Corey. We got to drop the bag. We got to go back. That's how you, that's how you get younger is you start just it's not that easy. Yeah. Don't it's only, right. only possible because our aunties paved the way. We we didn't have to go <laughs> through a jungle. We could keep our nails nice. <laughs> well, we appreciate you. Yes, we do appreciate <laughs> you. And we're going to have to leave it at that and, and skip off to see another person, another, another goddess. So thank, thank you, you very so much, much. And Corey. thanks for joining. And next time, talk to you next. See, see you in a little bit, Angelia. Thank you, ladies. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today on the Tech Aunties podcast. If you have a topic you would like us to cover, please connect with us on LinkedIn and Instagram. You can also find this episode and others at techaunties.com. Until next time, y'all be sweet.